You're listening to Living It Up in Lion City, a podcast about Singapore, where locals and foreigners sit down, chill, crack open a beer, and talk about life here and what goes on in this amazing city. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another awesome episode of Living Up in Lion City, the first episode of the year 2019. I hope you guys had a fantastic New Year celebration. I hope you guys have made enough resolutions that you'll probably have broken um, the day after you've made them. Oh, you never achieve them. <laughs> just, just, just be honest, you know. Yeah, man. <laughs> You're never going to finish them. It's going to go on the next year and the next year. It's never happening. I love your sunny outlook on life, Shan. <laughs> Honesty. <laughs> but speaking of Shan, we'll get to introduce our guest in, in a short bit. Um, for those who don't know, 2019 marks the 200th anniversary of the founding of modern Singapore. Um, in the year 1819, a British dude called Stanford Raffles came dude. down. Yeah, like he was like, what, what was special about it? <laughs> So this regular guy, his name was Stanford Raffles, he comes down to this part of the world and he's like, I see this island and this is my kingdom now. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm, I'm oversimplifying it. For the record, <laughs> he has some experience in the East India Company prior to that. Oh, really? Yeah. Did he? It's not, it's not like just some guy, hey, let's go to Singapore and let's set up a base here, you know. Wait, he, so... has, he had some experiences before coming here. It's not just some guy. Wow. So my understanding was that this guy came to Singapore. He he essentially built up a colony of what was assumed to be an uninhabited island. Um, and, you know, here we are 200 years later. Um, what is interesting about the Bicentennial is that um, Stanford's Raffles story has been talked about and in a lot of ways glorified for all these years. Uh, this time around... I think there is a different angle to the bicentennial celebration. There's money to be made. <laughs> but we'll get to that. Uh, this episode, we have uh, a very special guest who is a good friend of ours, uh, a fellow history buff who's really keen on the history of, of Singapore and history in general, um, who has a lot of hobbies related to his interest in history. Um, welcome. Yeah, Shanban. thanks. Thanks for welcoming me. Right. <laughs> um, so I, I do color old pictures. That's one part, and then I read up about history a lot. Tell us a little more about, um, you know, what you do. My and... main work is photography, and right. on the side I cook also for a living. Right. So. And um, you, you mentioned uh, stuff about, you know, coloring old pictures. Yeah. Could you give us a bit of context about that? Yeah, so like there's this, there's this film that... I, I've been thinking about this for a long time, but the real push for me to do this was... Uh, Peter Jackson did this movie, it's a documentary about the First World War because um, this year is the 100th, you know... Last year was a hundred year anniversary of the First World War, so he wanted to make this documentary that coincides with the anniversary. 
and right. it was basically taking black and white really pace like pace up footage of um the first world war and the color it and slow it down and and when you actually look at the result it felt like you're looking at you know the fact that these people are are real real people they're not like black and white figures in a in a in a war that you you didn't know so he bring that human element back to them and then i look at it and i was like yeah you know it's about time i start doing what i've been thinking of for a long time so i look up some like video guides on youtube and then just start trying out um a friend she has a her grandmother from russia and then i just started with hers first and then start picking up and got more addicting and yeah slowly i pick up the pace so shan take us through the process of you colorizing an old picture with black and white pictures you see them in a very one-dimensional perspective you don't think oh okay these people are like people of the past but once you see them in color like how you would see in today's photos you're like hey they're no different from us you know today and then it makes you think more about history it makes you more interested because you are able to metaphorically and physically color their life and you, you bring bring them back to life basically you see you see them in like living breathing color because when you look at you i mean when you look at artworks you don't look at them as black and white right you look yeah. at them in color so with the friend who is russian and i've colored her grandmother and you start to see that there are physical similarities in traits right. genetic traits between her and her grandmother oh yeah which then, wasn't obvious when it was black yeah and white. yeah that's right because wow. when you see in color it's like hey okay yeah and this this features like for example she told me um some features before i was gonna color like oh they share the same eye color that is actually fascinating because at the end of the day um it is one thing to say that your grandma has blue eyes but it's one thing to see a picture where she actually does yeah right definitely okay interesting um and as it turns out you are the only person who does it in singapore no there's this other guy as okay. well yeah so only two of us. It's it's not it's not a popular thing, but online on Reddit, many people have been coloring all sorts of pictures from different times in history. Yeah. And you see the effort that they put through because some are just not easy to color. There's a lot of elements like you could be harbor workers on a pier and you have and you have like the wooden planks and you have the ships, you have the water, you have the sky, you have the clothes that they wear. And like these little elements, you, you basically have to color everything in the picture. Yeah. It takes a lot of effort balancing, balancing all the different tones of skin. Mm -hmm. and, uh, like, just don't stop coloring. And then once you stop, you won't get the result that you're looking for. Right. Like, because you just have to think there's so many colors in skin tone. Don't don't just sing, see it from a 
very physical, very one-dimensional perspective. Oh, your skin is brown, your skin is white. Then that's that's your color, right? You know, there's so much things as fats, there's blood, there's like all the if you look at it from a more practical and scientific perspective, then you see that skin has many layers. But Shan, how do you understand all of this from a black and white picture alone? Does a black and white picture like give you that much detail? Yeah. Or are it depends you, it depends uh, on the scan that Okay. Um, whether it's a good scan or a bad scan, then So I I'm guessing that you're you do make a lot of assumptions about, you know, whether this particular patch of skin would have this particular color, right? And this probably brings about it brings to my question about how accurate should you be, you know? I think like the best way is um if it's say a family friend or if it's someone you know or like if it's a client, you ask them about like um what information they can provide, like what period is it, what clothes they're wearing, what hair color, what eye color, what skin color, and if they have any accessories, what their real life examples that's the best, but if they don't then what kind of color would they be? Because you, you are coloring them so you want to try to be as accurate as possible and is it is it important to be accurate Shian? I think it's important you want to show people what they are looking at in the well, I mean it's history right you don't want to bend history around to fit whatever narratives you want to show and Whatever is there is there. So your job is just to color. You can, I mean, people can see if it's a good job or a bad job if you've got very funky colors or you've got, you know, colors accurate to what people would see in real life. Shan, if we want to see more of your work, where can we find it? Um, I post it mostly on my Flickr. Okay. Uh, you can find my name and also on reddit singapore subreddit shout out to yeah. yeah so you can find my work on coloring on a singapore subreddit i'll post them uh periodically and other subreddits which are like colorization where there's a huge community out there where people color all sorts of old pictures yeah nice um about the Singapore Bicentennial, Xi'an. So, you know, I think the, the country is gearing up for the 200th anniversary. The 200th birthday, <laughs> yeah, basically. It's interesting that you mentioned birthday because... Isn't uh, it, right? Like the birth year, they, they think that the founding of modern Singapore comes from 1890. But, but it's, it's it's up to... Like, he, depending on what history you follow and what you think is, is the accurate example of modern Singapore. Because modern has a lot of context, right? It's 
Is Singapore founded in 1965 when we were independent? Is that the modern Singapore or would you say like when we were British port? Or you know, would you say like way before when there were some settlers in Singapore? There is actually an article that talks about the four cycles of the settlement of Singapore. Um, so, so for context, for those of you who do not live in Singapore or just new to Singapore, um, you know, it's it's often considered that Singapore is a very new country um, that's only about, you know, 50 plus years old. Uh, it goes back to about 20 years old when Stamford Raffles, you know, came down here and supposedly founded the modern Singapore. Uh, there's a lot more historical context to it. Um, and there are articles and, you know, bodies of research that talk about four cycles of settlement. Uh, the first, of course, being the one where Sangnala Uttama, you know, discovers Temasek, which was the old name for Singapore. Um, there is the the second uh, one, which was before Stamford Raffles came in. Um, and apparently there are records of, you know, Portuguese uh, traders, Chinese traders coming to Singapore in the 14th, Way 15th. before. Yeah. Sangnila Utama, yeah. And you know, there's been there's there's been a, a long history of and don't forget the Singapore Stone, which predates any any of that. It's in a language that nobody could decipher. Uh, t- tell us more about the Singapore Stone. So yeah. it's it's this huge rock. It's like this monolith that's supposedly at the at the mouth of the Singapore River, um, and then the British they put it up. They blew it up to build like buildings, and the fragments were kept in a museum. Okay. And but apparently the language was a language that no one could decipher until today. So people are like still clueless about what it means. And this language is not related to any of the languages. Yeah, any other, are... any other language. Really? Yeah, so okay. That's quite interesting. Is it aliens, or is it? Oh my oh, gosh, you're, you're one of those tinfoil hat guys. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> Could it be ancient aliens? You find out in the next episode, you know. Oh yeah. And you're saying that this rock exists and is in a museum right now? Yep. Okay. Yep. I'm surprised that people haven't found out the origins of that language. Yeah, already. I mean, there, there are plenty of languages like, you know, with Egyptian... Um, so the hieroglyphics. Yeah, the hieroglyphics are like all like it's a it's a bird, it's a human. Yeah. You couldn't understand, right? But like someone like we discovered back then during archaeological surveys that someone did a translation to Greek because in the ancient times the Romans and the Greeks had contact with. Um, the ancient Egyptians. Right. So someone did a translation and through the ancient Greek, we could understand what they are saying. Otherwise, till today, oh. we'll still be like, what, what are these stuff talking about? You know? Interesting. Um, okay. So that, that, um, that stone was so like crucial to understand the history and lifestyle of ancient Egypt. Um, Shan, as as a Singaporean, is this are are these historical narratives, um, you know, talked about in school? 
Is this something that the average Singaporean knows about? No. Or is this just like no. obscure information? Like this is lost. Our, our knowledge of history in Singapore is just from... It's very quickly schemed through. So it's Raffles. It's a very short paragraph about how it was a fishing village before. And then Raffles came, founded us. And then we were a British colony. We lost to the Japanese as a British colony. We got angry that they didn't do much to defend us. Then we got to the modern Singapore where um, we gained independence and then that's about it. Really. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So, Xian, as, as, as an Indian, yep. I have very different opinions about colonialism. And I think I've realized this after having conversations with, with a lot of Singaporeans. Um, and I've realized that um, colonialism is something that isn't looked as a bad thing. Yeah, we didn't have it as bad as what India had. Yeah. Because we had a lot of infrastructure built up for us by the British yeah. colonials. So and the thing... I mean, I mean back then... Racism was still pretty, like um, it's it's all it's everywhere, right? But it wasn't as bad as certain places because there wasn't too many revolts, yeah, against the crown colonies in Singapore. So we didn't have such a bad time because if we're not gonna be like pissed about them ruling us, they're not gonna treat us as bad as they would if if we're gonna like beat people up you know yeah it's interesting that you mentioned this because um you know my brother and i explored this in a previous episode uh where we talked about how colonization in india was very different from colonization elsewhere so for example in, in singapore you know it was a strategic port of importance and so the colonizers um you know treated us as you know a gemstone, this yeah, exactly. diamond, yeah. Whereas, whereas a country like India was considered a cash cow. Yeah, it's like they exploit of, all the resources. Exploitation. Yeah. You're absolutely right, and you know, you know, we've had this conversation with other people, but I think one of the things that actually solidified the fact that this was true was a quote from um, Lee Kuan Yew, where he said, "We should be thankful for their system and their graceful exit," and he's talking about you know the British colonizers leaving, so. Uh, long story short, um, you know, after the Japanese occupation, um, you know, Singapore wanted self-governance in 1959, and you know, the the British authorities at the time were like, okay, we'll do this, and it is uh, starkly different from what it was like in w w where I came from, you know, where we had to fight for it. Yeah, because for us, we had um, we had more time, I would say. Because we started from internal self-governments, like uh, we could control certain aspects, but like external stuff like defense and other stuff were controlled by the British until we could prove like, oh, we can manage that on yeah. our own. And then... And I, I, find, I find it interesting that the, the transfer of power was a peaceful one. Once again, you have to understand, as an Indian, I think I have a bias against anything that's British. Like yeah 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 I know? understand. Uh, so when when somebody talks about you know a colonial narrative, you know there is some part of me that goes 
fuck that shit. Yeah. You know? Get it. But, uh, you know, after chatting with my brother, who is a lot more well-versed in the history uh, of colonialism in, in the region, he talks about how uh, different countries have adopted different approaches to dealing with it. Um, in the context of Singapore, um, you know, people here said that, hey, you know what, this happened. And I'm not saying that colonialism was good for any particular place, but for very... We had more stability compared to some partners around the world. Which is true. Like, for example, if you would look at French Indochina, right after the Second World War, they had a conflict between um, Ho Chi Minh um, site versus the colonies, which were the French... And then the French lost. And that's where the Americans came in after. Because they didn't want the communism to like start taking over like all the different countries. Yeah. They think it was like a domino effect. Like one country goes down, the next one gonna go and go on, go on, go on. And, and they want like capitalism to be the status quo. And I also think that the, the French colonizer was colonizers were salty about it because and this is also mentioned in LKY's essay um, so the context in which he said that we should be thankful and grateful for the Britishers graceful exit is because he used the example of when the French colonizers had to leave uh, French Guinea and yeah. apparently as they were leaving they took down all the telephone lines and the electricity lines <laughs> they were like fuck this shit yeah, yeah. Um, so there was there was a lot of um, antagonism when it came to colonizers leaving their colonies because of various reasons and LKY said that he was grateful that that didn't happen in Singapore so yeah because the infrastructure if we if, if people gonna tear it down and eventually you're gonna have to build them up right so what's the point you're just doing it out of spike and I also believe that at that time um the, the British Empire at the time was a lot more sympathetic to to Singapore being a strategic port of importance. Because um, they still want it to be a port of importance because they have something to gain out of it. Yeah. And having that good relationship is better for them in the long run than if they were to like end it on bad terms. So Shan, here's a tricky question. Is this historical context the reason why Raffles is celebrated as compared to all the other people who are influential in the formation of Singapore. Yeah, I, I would say I would say in many ways, yeah, because okay. um, I think that narrative helps to push the ruling party as like uh, this this main main figure in Singapore. Let's, it it let's... helps to keep them in power because people would think, oh, okay, yeah. I agree with what the ruling party used to say and that people would people would see it from a perspective where um they feel that the British weren't so bad as they would think they were in other countries. Shan, let's 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 take a step back and uh, talk about what do you think about the ruling party's interest in considering that the British colonization was the that British colonialism was a good thing what is the political benefit out of it uh, mainly stability and because I think 
also we have been in this system for a long time right if we were to change our whole political structure our our laws our way of life right it would be a lot of like we would have to get used to a lot of different aspects and like transitioning it from the British system to our Singapore system which is still based on the British it's gonna make things a lot simpler for the government and it's gonna make things easier for the people also because like O levels and A levels are still something it's it's still a British legacy. Yeah. Our parliamentary system is a British legacy. Our roads, our laws were all from the British and we just tweak some things of it to fit it our context and that's about it. Pretty much a lot of the legacy is coming from the what what the British have done. Having said this, as part of this SG Bicentennial, I think there has been, you know, a lot of initiatives into exploring um, stuff beyond colonial narratives. Um, for example, let's talk about the, the statues that have been put right next to Stamford Raffles at Boat Key. Right. Right? Um, this was never done. And, you know, as a foreigner, like, you know, we never generally hear about anything related to the history of Singapore outside of Stamford Raffles, right? So they have that colonial narrative, and most of us consider that the de facto historical narrative of Singapore. This year, though, they're talking about these other influential figures, namely uh, 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 Munshi Abdullah, uh, Narani Pillai, uh, Tantok Seng, who is, as it turns out, the founder of the Tantok Seng Hospital. Yep. That's um, why his name is there. Yeah, and, and yeah. That blew my mind. You know? I'm like, oh wow, <laughs> that hospital's been there for a while. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess my question here is, uh, why are these names coming out now? Uh, have these names been part of the common Singaporean understanding of history before this year? Some yes, but like the footnotes in history here. Okay. They they skim through it, but you know because it's bicentennial. And I wouldn't fault them for thinking that way, but it's a good way for them if they got any events to bring publicity. And which there, is, there are a bunch of them. Which is very logical if you think about it, but I mean, if you think about it, why didn't they do it earlier? Right? Like, why only did they make use of this year as an anniversary, then they do something about it? What about all the years before? Like, were they not important? You know? As, are these important, or are these figures, are these notable figures in, in your history books? Right? Yeah, but um, you wouldn't memorize them as much as Stanford Rifles because his name is everywhere. Yeah, I mean, literally, there are like 300 Raffles names, school. like all the, all the streets, all the schools, everything. The is hotel. Right. And you got all the different education centers making use of his name. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, with the Bicentennial, of course, these other names are, you know, coming out. Um, there are other narratives that I really feel that the Singapore Tourist Board is, you know, trying to expose the general public to. 
Um, do you think that this is going to be um, a permanent thing? Nah. It's just be something that's going to happen this year and it's going to be gone because for the longest time, we haven't memorized their names and suddenly with the bicentennial year that they come out with these people and they expect people to remember them, I, I find it like it's... Yeah, it's it's only mentioned specifically this year, so I don't feel like they they will have any significance after the year. I mean, if they do want to keep it, that's great, but I don't have high hopes. Okay, all right. Yeah. That's that's the the cynic, after the seeing, cynic in you speaking. After seeing yeah. what we've done in the past, it's it's unlikely. Yeah. As the realist in me. Which is yeah. which is fair. As someone who's interested in history, um, would you still want to check out um, the various events that are happening over yeah, the course of, course. of this year? Yeah, of course. Like you still get to hear what stories they can tell, and you can see for yourself how much of it is doing it because it's something they can profit from and how much of it is because they actually want to do it i mean the narrative will give way the narrative will tell how much of it is like you know truly something that they've been thinking of doing let's let's unpack this idea that you say that you know someone is to profit from it um once again you know maybe this is an outsider's perspective um is, is it the fact that this is a narrative that you can profit from? Isn't yeah, this... tourism-wise, that's something that the tourism board could um, could just put up in their brochures and their advertising. Oh, it's the bicentennial year. Prepare for a great year of like all sorts of history you never thought you knew. And people would be like, oh, I thought Singapore's only 50 years and there's a lot more than that. So... As a foreigner, I often feel that this narrative isn't meant for us. I, I, like, especially like... You oh, know. no, 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 don't get me wrong. It's meant for us, but if they can see that there's something to be earned from other people, they're not going to wait for it. They're going to try and get it if they can. So is, is this the part where you're putting a tinfoil hat on? It's like on an extra tidbit <laughs> for them, you know? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, having said this, you know, c- cynical cash grab aside, uh, do you think that it is a good thing to have these historical narratives outside the colonial ones put out there as a good thing? I think it still is. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I can say that, oh, they're, they're, they're just being a filthy crash grabbing bunch of people but you know it's still it's still at the end of the day it's still gonna help people understand more or at the end of the day it's gonna help people to question more about previous happenings in history yeah yeah and we, we talked about this earlier shan where the average person doesn't understand and doesn't honestly care about you know history in general uh, in your opinion, do you think that a greater understanding of history would um, give the average person uh, uh, would help the average person um, 
have I don't know what's worth like you know give insight. themselves the best sense of yeah insight yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah definitely because I mean you look at the world today people always like to say the term oh history repeats itself right yeah and, and it happens and people are like still people still don't learn from it you know it's 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 baffling like you can see how the world is changing towards this popularism narrative yeah like oh um the head of state will say whatever they wish and whatever that people want to hear and it might be hurtful it might be harmful they don't care it is at yeah and at the at the at the mid near the mid of the 20th century where you got this rise of popularism with fascism and communism people it's, it's like history repeating itself basically yeah. and people don't seem to realize that and for example you hear all the news stories about how russia is trying to push all the different countries buttons to see how far they could go and back then uh nazi germany was doing that right so you can see how so much of it relate back to the 20th century Last question before we end this. Yeah. Um, do you think with the questions and discussions that come with uh, the Singapore bicentennial stuff that's going on this year, do you think that that attitude will change? Nah. I I mean, I hate to say it. And I hate to be. I hate to generalize. People here, but. We are shallow as hell. We're just shallow as fuck, man. Um, we just we just wouldn't go deeper into it. We just see what the at least the younger people will see what even the older people actually they will see whatever situation at face value and then they just go along with it. They wouldn't dwell deeper into it. They wouldn't start questioning about it. But wouldn't greater exposure to the various historical narratives? Yeah, I know, but like you know, it's that? it's more like, oh look, I can Instagram this, rather than anything else. It just be a passing let's, moment. Let's not devalue how much Instagram can really help with getting people to learn shit. <laughs> like, okay, okay, if you say so. Like Instagram has been huge in terms of um, okay, uh, d- digression. But um, as it turns out, museums across the world have had an uptick in I know attendance that. I know because that. of Instagram. Yeah, but you like know? most of it are modern art and they are like they play to our satisfaction, like complementary colors, like a room full of like there's this ice cream museum. Yeah, that, that was might, the yeah know, that 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 was where I got like, this. Oh yeah, it's yeah. it's popular because <laughs> hey, it's it's quirky and it's hipster and you know it's it looks good for people in the pictures. But, but how how many are actually gonna learn about ice cream, right? You know, 
Well, I, I'd like to take the optimistic outlook in that, you know, out of 300,000 people who go to the ice cream museum, if two people and that's a learn from it, that, that's a win. I, I think that's a win for me. Like, if, if those two people understand it, that's like the effort is worth it, right? Like, maybe to take a more local example, if, if let's say, the Asian Civilization Museum had a more Instagram-friendly tour, of course, everybody's going to go in there for the pictures, no denying that. But then after those 300,000 people, there's two people who be like, huh, let's talk about this particular fishing boat, which is actually from here and here. Isn't that particular discussion the whole point of the exercise? Yeah, but... Once it's... again, I'm an optimist. So, you know, right? so we're at odds here, and oh, I, I understand that. Oh, <laughs> well, time to find out, okay? <laughs> Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> I guess I think we've, we've talked way too much. Yeah. <laughs> um, but once again, um, Shian, I would love to thank you for coming down here. Yeah, and give thanks us your for having me again. And uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the audience doesn't know about that previous yeah, botched yeah, yeah. attempt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, Shian, like before, before you go, um, you know, this is an opportunity for you to shout out what you're doing um, and how they can find out how, you know, people can find out what you're doing and like, if you know, do you have a website that you want to pitch? Do you yeah, have... so for me, my main Instagram is bang bing bong or bang bing and then underscore BA, you can look it up. Uh, uh, we'll put it up in the show notes, it's, guys. It's yeah. mostly just my commercial and portraiture work uh for photography then i'll upload i don't have an instagram for coloring um old pictures but i'll put it up soon so uh otherwise you can just find it on the subreddit in singapore um yep i i I know his handle so i'll put up yeah of course (laughs) thanks i appreciate that (laughs) all right guys um you know what um once again uh, folks, follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other podcast app of your choice. Uh, this is Rindo, and we are living it up in Lion City. <laughs>